Hello Internet! This is Chase Redshirt King Wassenaar, and welcome to another edition of the Rough Drafts Podcast. It is December 20th as we're recording this right now. It is uh, the wrap-up of IEM Gyeonggi. Uh, it was a very interesting event uh, across the board, and so instead of doing what we've done in the past where we do League of Legends things and then other esports things, we're just talking about the whole IEM event. And when I say we, I am of course referring to my good friend and co-host, Walter Ciedi Svechuk. Walter, how you doing, man? Doing pretty good. I watched a lot of, uh, a lot of worthless esports. <laughs> Worth- a lot of worthless esports worthless. watching. Worthless. Worthless. That, totally, totally unnecessary just because I hate myself. And uh, I like watching other people play video games instead of playing them myself. So, look, uh, as as fans of esports, that is a strong <laughs> statement to make right out the gate. Uh, maybe to change a career path. Maybe we need to change this to a movie podcast or something. We'll have to. We'll figure that out. But for now, we've watched the games. We might as well break them all down. And you know what? To oh, be yeah. fair. I do understand uh, where you come from when it comes down to IEM. And Walter, I didn't let you really introduce yourself last time around when we uh, when we started talking about things like Overwatch and StarCraft and everything. So maybe this is your time. Like, let people know who you are and why, when you talk about meaningless, you obviously don't mean esports are meaningless, but what? why is this not a meaningless kind of tournament to you based on how you approach these kinds of things? Everything is meaningless. Existence is a lie. Should I just go on like I'm in Breakfast Club here? It's all over. Just end it. No. Um, I mean, to be fair, for as meaningless a tournament as possible, this was a very pretty tournament. Yeah. It, it looked really good. And uh, my, my past experience uh, producing events and, and being involved in events, man, oh, man, OGN has a really nice Chiron. Yeah. And for those of you who don't know what a Chiron is, a Chiron is what is used in TV production to produce all those really cool graphics you see on screen. So when you're watching ESPN, that little ticker at the bottom, that's done by a Chiron. When they do all the like nameplates and everything that pop up and all these funky graphics when you're watching football and basketball, that is a Chiron. It's a computer that basically just does imaging. It has like eight graphics processors in it. It's amazing. Um, as far as IEM events go, though, this is a very, very pretty one to watch. You definitely could feel the uh, the OGN influence. And yes. um, I think I, I say worthless because the three tournaments that happened, one of them is a dead game. One of them didn't really have the cream of the crop competing at it and the other one was league of legends and we all know that nothing matters in league of legends unless it has riot's official seal of approval on it i was gonna say league of legends wasn't the one where you said the cream of the crop wasn't going that's really that's the problem because i saw that league of legends lineup and man oh man if that's overwatch lineup was worse i'd be fair there was a race it was a race to the bottom that no one won (laughs) and i i think that that's kind of one of those things we we feel about off-season tournaments in general and and some people are going to call us out and that's fair overwatch and starcraft 2 the off-season is kind of a weird term for it it's post blizzcon so post world championships but they haven't really gone to a weekly league schedule yet so it's not quite the regular season if you will it's this weird in-between period that is very awkward for analysts like us because at the end of the day it's hard to tell how much you can really take away from it you know are are these games that are going to end up being the thing we point back to and say oh that's where this came from that's where this problem arose that's where this chemistry maybe started developing or are we going to look back at this and say 
well, enough time passed and they got used to each other. So by the time the actual season that leads to the big tournament that people actually care about comes along, then none of this really was all that relevant. And more often than not, when you look at history, especially with League of Legends, but with most games, I would say, IEM has struggled to have that just overwhelming presence. With CSGO, they do it. CSGO, they have put out some incredible uh, events and some majors for them. But, Absolutely. Start, you know, this was a, a very, obviously, you know, it's in Gyeonggi, which is in South Korea. It was a very Korea-centric event to the extent that they brought OGN to do the production, which was a brilliant move. Um, I, so smart. Didn't do anything to help with any of the delays in the League of Legends side of things. Nothing. There are pauses out the yin yang, and I, I don't get it. Cause you know what? I watched. I watched Starcraft. I watched Overwatch. Um, I've watched CS:GO events. And Chase, I think you brought this up last time we talked about IEM. There's no pauses. <laughs> I never <laughs> any issues. Never. Very I know. rare. There's no issues. But the second it's like League of Legends, it's like, oh, we got a half hour technical pause here. Got to deal with something. Oh, his microphone's not working. Oh, the headset's not working. His keyboard. Like, it seems like every single game, there's at least five minutes of pauses that it's just something's wrong. We don't know what it is, but something went wrong. It's seriously, they've been doing this for like five years. You're kidding me, right? It's You're it's kidding me. Absolutely ridiculous. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the you know the way that League handles the the tournament client. I've worked with the tournament client before. It's not particularly intuitive. Uh, having to change your settings in between every land game is kind of silly. Um, and and it's very easy for things to go wrong on that end. And when you're flipping around with all these things and something like sound going off, especially sound issues are really the biggest issues, which make, makes me think fun. that uh, it's the gear that they're bringing along. But, you know, this is the thing about IEM. What, they don't really need to compete as, as far as League of Legends goes because there are no other events outside of Riot events that involve League of Legends. And as long as Riot doesn't want to open it up to other third-party you know, producers, it's never going to be a problem. And to be honest, I, here's my conspiracy theory for the day, Walter. I think you're going to like this. Boy, here we go. I think Riot loves that ESL's production is bad on their League of Legends events. I think that they take it as, oh, look, look at how much better we are by comparison. Look at how smoothly our production runs. Yes. Look at how nice everything is here. So ignore all of the bad sides of our of our you know league structure, some of the weird things we do competitively. Focus right. on the fact that our product is so much better than the only other league product you ever digest in a year that that alone justifies everything we do. I'm, I'm digging you, baby. I'm digging it. I'm just I saying. Get it. I get what you're saying here. Yeah, like, I'm I'm, I'm picking up what you're spinning out. Makes you sense. eliminate all but the worst Makes competition, sense. and you will look best by comparison. Every hot yes. girl has an ugly friend. That's just how <laughs> this goes. That's These are the lessons life teaches us, Walter. That's true. I don't, true. And for the record, I say this having been the ugly friend. I just, I'm not, this is not a criticism. It Chase, just, you aren't the ugly friend here. Don't worry. I'm not? Don't worry, you're not the ugly friend. I thought the, the internet said I was a fatter, less interesting version of Travis Gafford. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> Don't worry, you haven't sold your soul out to the uh, the ownership of the LCS yet. Don't worry about it. No, that's you have, true. Well, you haven't gone on on TV and lambasted an owner for allegations that were proven inconclusive. 
that's true. But you know what? That's to be fair though. I don't have a heart and a soul to sell anymore. I sold it to the RTS genre when I was a little kid. <laughs> like that was my oh, bread and God. butter. That's what I grew up with. Oh. That's what I know. It's why I got into League of Legends in the first place because it was like an RTS, but you know, reversed, which is the way I always try to describe those games. And you know, it's 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 kept StarCraft relevant, right? It's it's one of those things where with every other RTS falling off the map. StarCraft has prevailed. StarCraft has remained. They have continued to produce high-quality tournaments with some really fun games. And yet, every conversation with StarCraft has to start with, is it a dead game? And for the record, you already said you believe it is a dead game. So what do you mean when you say it's a dead game? And why do you think StarCraft has reached that kind of position from which you can't come back? So I'll be I'll be very honest. StarCraft was the second esport that I got into. It was the second thing I watched because it was always at IEM events. I wasn't watching Counter-Strike because usually all the League of Legends events that I was watching had StarCraft because StarCraft was the big esport then. Yeah. Counter-Strike hadn't had its amazing explosion that it's had in the past two years. League of Legends, four years it you know, four years ago when it had its explosion. Uh, now we have Overwatch. Now all of a sudden we're oversaturated with, and I know that there are going to be people like Clerky out there who 10 years ago were playing in Halo tournaments and Call of Duty tournaments and all that jazz, but that wasn't, it wasn't widely accepted. It wasn't widely known. I certainly as a middle schooler going to high school played Call of Duty, but I didn't know there were like tournaments where you could go and like win money other than like, oh yeah, like 10 of my buddies all got together and we put five bucks a piece in. Um, <laughs> You know, StarCraft was kind of like the first sort of eSport outside of League of Legends that I I invested into. And when I say dead game, it's just because as everything else has exploded, Mm -hmm. as we have the reign of League of Legends in the MOBA genre and we see uh, Dota just constantly climbing. And then below that you have your Heroes of the Storm, your your Smites, you know, your Vainglories. That's now Vainglory is taking over sort of the mobile genre and starting to pull that up. Obviously, the explosion of Counter-Strike in the last couple of years, we've seen Overwatch just come out this year and start to really you know, take off and have some big viewership and, and really um, intense competition and really you know, well-done tournaments like Apex that OGN just did you know, two months ago, essentially. Right. Um, the, the, the emergences of the Halos, the Gears of Wars, the Call of Duties, as their companies are going, hey, this esports thing is like free marketing, let's push this. Rocket League, of all things. All these other things are growing and numbers are going up and they're all competing with each other. And StarCraft seems to have stagnated over the last few years and it's going Mm -hmm. down from what I'm seeing. Just from what I'm visually, when I'm looking at eyeballs on Twitch and I'm just looking at whatever viewer count number is coming up on Twitch. Right. It just it it doesn't seem like it's competing. League of Legends is getting forty thousand people to watch weekly. To at least even the worst matches, you're probably looking at about thirty to forty thousand people. And to me, unless it's really the cream of the crop type of StarCraft, unless it's really a big key matchup, or it's you know BlizzCon Grand Finals, or you know finals at Katowice, or something super super important, I just don't see those numbers breaking fifteen. And that's why, to me, I look at it and I go, it's a dead game. It's when I look at all the different esports that I could possibly watch and I go, what is maintaining my interest? And what, to me, not only as an analyst slash pundit, but me just wanting to enjoy something, something that I can actually play and be semi-good at, mm-hmm. you know, when I rank all of these different esports, StarCraft is not second anymore. It's, it's, quite, it's quite far down. Uh, it, it, sits, it sits down there with, with Heroes of the Storm and, and Halo, unfortunately, and 
that's just why I view it as a dead game, even though it's it's still incredible to watch. Well, see, I love that you put Heroes of the Storm in there because that's another game that I have fought for on this podcast and we have lost every time and will probably continue to lose. Look, it's it's tough, right? And I understand why you you make that point. It certainly, you know, the the landscape has changed and you look at how many people now are prioritizing faster paced games, are prioritizing you know, games where they can get, you know, in and out and have these big moments and it's constantly exciting and intense. I mean, that's what CSGO is, right? Two minutes every round, really intense, fast-paced gameplay. Overwatch fights are happening all the time and the maps are very short, even if you play to the full extent of the map. Um, You know, you're looking at, you know, Rocket League, those are five-minute games. Like, all of these games that are becoming bigger that are growing right now have either been around for a while and are really hitting their peak and just in terms of just production value, quality Absolutely. of game, quality, whatever, or are so fast and bite-sized that you can just kind of dig in and enjoy it. And StarCraft is not something you just chow down on. It's something, it's like a fine wine. You sip it, you kind of smell it around a little bit, you let it, you know, you you, you allow yourself to, to enjoy, you know, like, you know, that build-up process. You start thinking, you know yourself like oh man when this drink finally comes together it's gonna be delightful what happens and if then it is proxies a hatch in his third base and oh it's a gold base too i wonder if the terran would want oh no he went for he put the hatchery right outside his natural oh my god i do that i did that on ladder once like, yeah, yeah I mean, it, it's a great and those moments man's game and those moments man. are fun and the thing is you know when when this tournament was at its best which was the semifinals. The semifinals of this tournament were amazing. Absolutely. You had Innovation versus Dark. Innovation having had a terrible season to the extent that Innovation was quoted as saying, 2016 was basically like a, like a bye year for me. <laughs> I took the year off. How do you... T- you failed in every tournament. That's not taking the year off. That's being forced to take the year off because no one wanted to watch you anymore. Like, you had a terrible year. I mean, I, I, I get it. He's adjusting to the new meta. It takes time, whatever. But a lot of people adjusted a lot more quickly than he did. But he comes out of nowhere and takes town Dark, who has been the best Zerg player alive by far in the last year, who made it to second place at the World Championship. Meanwhile, you know... You get stats on the you know this side here. This Protoss player who has never won a truly major tournament, and yes, you can look at the cross finals from Korea season one, but no, that does not count because it was a tournament with four people in it. When you only <laughs> have to win two matches. That's not a tournament. That's not the same thing. And being able yeah. to do it against multiple peer races on multiple maps and whatever else is what makes you a great StarCraft player. So he needs this kind of win, and he's doing it against Buell, who is just clinging on for just any amount of relevance he can get because this year has been so bad for him on so many levels. And everyone came out to play, and games came down. You know, we had that 30-minute stats Buell game where it was, you know, just everything at max resources and who was going to pull that out. And and it's it, Yeah, if you love Zerg, this tournament was great, and... If you love underdog stories, the fact that we had a stats innovation finals after the 2016 we just watched is absolutely incredible. And yeah, it's something absolutely. that, you know, it, it reminded me a lot of why I fell in love with StarCraft again during the last era of Legacy of the Void. Or not of Legacy of the Void, of Heart of the Swarm, excuse me. 
Um, that 2015 World Championship was, in my opinion, some of the best StarCraft that's ever been played. And I thought those games were some of the most exciting, most fun. The, the comebacks that people were doing there, Buell in particular had such an amazing tournament. I mean, God, there were so many great, great players. Um, and then 2016's been awkward, and now these Pro League, you know, Pro League doesn't exist anymore because 12 of the 16 players here didn't even have sponsors. So... I guess all the Kespa teams pulled out at the same time. Yeah, because they all yeah we're done. They're they're they've and and you know that in itself can be seen as a concession, and I understand people who feel that way. Is there any hope, Walter? After after seeing these games, after how much fun they were, and even you said they were exciting games in this. If you enjoy strategy games and you're willing to have a little bit of a a slower build up, there were some amazing games in this tournament. Is there any way to bring it back from the brink, or is, has the landscape just changed too much? I, I just think the landscape has changed too much. I think that the audience that you're trying to pull, just, it, it's, it's not... We live in a generation where everyone is, and I'm 100% guilty of this, are swiping through Twitter as fast as they can. They're trying to take yes. in as much information as they can. Mm -hmm. I'm at the point where I'm trying to watch so many different esports. I have, I joke to you, three monitors is awesome, but on three monitors, I have like six different tabs open that I'm, you know, popping back and forth. Okay, well, this League of Legends game is a little boring. All right, I'm going to mute that. Okay, let me turn on the StarCraft game. Oh, okay, I don't want to watch that. Like, okay, I'll keep it open just in case, like... I'm tabbing through, you know, five, six different things because there's so many esports going on. And then when I'm catching up on VODs, I'm not – it's very rare that I sit down and watch a VOD at, you know, slow speed for the entire 50 minutes that it goes. I watch the Apex Finals, and thank God that was over as quickly as it was. Yeah. I'm watching everything at two times speed. I'm trying to get everything in as quickly as possible because we live in such a fast-paced ADHD-type world. And unfortunately for StarCraft – I don't think it has a place there. Like you said, there was a half hour long drawn out game here between Stats and Buell. And that was a best of five series that went to five games. And one of them was a half hour. Yeah, That's, that's going to be one of the problems what? League is going to have here you know, soon is that three, you could potentially be investing three hours into one series. It's a little like that's I mean, why Riot tries so hard to quicken the pace of their games and is trying to make the early game, you know, a little bit stronger, a little bit more relevant. They're trying to keep everything to like 35, 40 minutes at the most. And there are some StarCraft games. Dota has this problem, but Dota fans are just masochists who don't care. <laughs> StarCraft has this problem where like you can't definitive there's been some StarCraft games I've watched that have gone for an hour. And you're going. I don't know what else they could do. This is really good StarCraft, but it's an hour of my time watching it. Yeah, and, and to be fair, like, I don't want to misrepresent it. A half an hour long game for StarCraft that's is quite that's long. That's unusual. It's that un is unusual, and anything longer yeah. than that would be particularly unusual. So if you look at, like, how long the actual games are, it's usually, like, 10 to 15 minutes, which you would think would fit in this bite-sized game. But the problem is, to me, it's, it's less about the, the pacing, which... You know, it's kind of slow build, slow build, giant rise that usually takes the enemy out, especially that game where uh, you just saw the Archons come out of stats. Uh, I believe it was game two against Buell, where it's like, oh, Buell's winning, Buell's winning, and then Archons just <laughs> slam and oh. wipe out his base. It's like, oh, he's oh. dead. Um, but, you know, honestly, when it, when it comes down to it, if it's not the length of the game, it's got to be something else. And I, I think the thing that 
to me hurts it the most is how unintuitive it is to watch if you don't know like if you look at like League of Legends you might not know what the items do in League of Legends you might be a little bit confused about the map but you do know that there are there's a whole bunch of guys over here and there are a whole bunch of guys over here and they're fighting each other and lasers and lights and beams of things come around and some people fall and some people don't and the ones who lived probably go on and do a good thing like there's something intrinsically understandable about that and with shooters it's even easier like you point a gun at someone and the per the person you pointed the gun at goes down and that allows you to do the thing that you need to do and and i mean rocket league is literally just high rocket cars hit ball into net like the, these games are getting simpler and simpler to understand and starcraft has done nothing but get more complicated I mean, That's Legacy true. of the Void has added so much more levels of strategy, which is great if you're someone like me, and absolutely horrendous if you're someone who is barely keeping up with everything you had to do in Heart of the Swarm. And keep in mind, these pro players are doing something like 400 to 600 actions per minute often. Yeah. How are you as a layman supposed to keep up with that? Well, I Start. hope you played StarCraft. Start. I hope you played StarCraft or I hope you watched StarCraft before, because much like Smite, StarCraft doesn't give a damn whether you care about it or not until Kespa pulled out and now you have all these players who are saying the right things right like oh it'll figure itself out oh I'll you know you know the the bright players will move you know cream will rise to the top and we'll be fine but let's just keep in mind that innovation is currently the second highest ranked player currently active in Starcraft and the guy didn't qualify for a single SSL and got himself eliminated in the round of 32 in a GSL. Like, that guy would have made no money this year. Yeah. And he's one of the best players in the league. And that's a problem. And when you lose the funding, you lose the gaming houses, you have to do well in tournaments or you're just done. And that just means you, you don't have any room to spare. And it's that will be what kills the scene. But until that happens, I think it will be a slow death. I think it will be something where we're still going to get really good tournaments like this. I'm still excited for GSL and SSL. Those are still happening. I know people are like, oh my god, Pro League. No one watched Pro League. Compared, compared to GSL and SSL, Pro League was barely watched and Brood War is still doing whatever. StarCraft will live on. StarCraft will always live on. But it will never be the same. And I think at the end of the day, I think it's mostly because it never wanted to be. It had a choice. They could have made it a lot more intuitive as a spectator, and they've never made the changes that would allow it to do so. So, here we are. It's true. That's true. probably more StarCraft than you'll ever get on an episode of this show again, but it is one of those games... Uh, You're more likely to get StarCraft than LMS. <laughs> is that our new tagline? Is that... <laughs> Is that, is that, is Starcraft and LMS. I like it. I like that as a tagline. That's a good tagline. Oh boy, uh, if man, if Obscurica was here, fight me. <laughs> fight me. You know what? Let's take it to the Overwatch field. That let's let's see you guys fight there because I'm sure he's probably logged more hours recently than you have. It's my bet. I'm guessing. I don't know. I see him on there every once in a while. But we've got to uh, we've got to talk about Overwatch because this has been. If you guys have been keeping up with the podcast, this is our new thing. We're really into Overwatch. Like, like Overwatch. to the point where this might be a show in and of itself we love Overwatch. So... Hint, hint, <laughs> hint. 
Hint, hint, hint. Oh, look, January is coming. 2017 is right around the corner. Hint. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe we've been hinting at possible plans of things that might be happening, and there might be some... I don't know. I don't know, Chase. Walter, I, I think you're know. being a little subtle, honestly. I really think subtlety, you need to be... Subtlety, you our, know, our, call me Mr. Subtle. Our, our listeners wait, wait, Mr. would appreciate... <laughs> Mr. Stubble. Mr. Stubble. I think our listeners would prefer some more honesty from us instead of this vagueness that we hide behind. But that's okay. We're going to continue to hide behind it until they prove us, you know, until we have to. But this, we, we are really loving Overwatch is the important part of this. And, you know, this was a tournament. This, you know, I am. Um, we're supposed to have, you know, some Korean teams. Africa wants revenge after getting knocked out in the finals. You've got Misfits. You've got Rogue. All of this was set up to be a great tournament, and then it wasn't. And it happened because of roster changes that happened towards the the last second here. And Walter, I want to ask you, just you know, coming at it from both what we know about Overwatch and just our experience working with teams. We've both worked with you know professional esports organizations in the past. You know, understanding how big roster changes can be on how a team plays. You know, what does it say about, you know, the tournament that people were willing to make roster changes this soon before it happened? And how do we have to adjust what we learned from the tournament based on the fact that three of the six teams there were literally a different roster than they were three weeks ago? And another roster was a combination of two previously sister teams. Like, how how do you start approaching that? See, this is one of the problems with not having... This is one of the problems newer games have when they don't have very definitive, like, set off-seasons. Like, League of Legends obviously has a very definitive this is one season, this is the next season, there's an off-season in between, there's an off-season between, yada, yada, yada. Dota solves this by having, you know, roster locks around majors. And, and, Mm -hmm. you know, all the tournaments say, okay, well, the roster that you're going to play with needs to be locked, you know, so many weeks before this tournament, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, same thing with CSGO, yada, yada, yada. Uh, newer games don't seem to have those types of things because they're still trying to settle into what they want. I assume that when Overwatch does go to their global league, um, they will have some sort of like locking system. But in the meantime, like, when else are you supposed to make roster changes? It makes absolute sense to make roster changes right after a big event like Apex. Yeah. Right after um, DreamHack. Like, those were a couple of big tournaments that happened around the same time. And sure, we look at, you know, this past weekend and we had I Am Yi and we had MLG Las Vegas. Mid-sized tournaments, but, like, when else are you supposed to make roster changes? You want to be able to test things out and, and throw people basically to the wolves and make sure this is going to work out. And you've been scrimming and all these things, but when you don't have a very definitive, like, this is the next major tournament like that's happening, you need to have your roster locked by then, you make the roster changes whenever you want. And I think the, the deal that came up for for Rogue and Misfits and Luminosity uh, is a smart one. It, it really brings the single nationality aspect that we see is very successful in Counter-Strike mm-hmm. um, to Overwatch. I think that it is helpful to have everyone speak the same language or um, you know, five out of six players all speak the same language. Um, and it just shows like while this is a tournament, this is an Overwatch tournament, mm-hmm. um, you have to you have to experiment some places and you have to, you know, try to make your team better. And when you don't have a very definitive structure of when you're allowed to do that, you just kinda do it when it happens. See, on on one level I, I get that. And especially when you look at 
what Overwatch is going to become in the next year. Blizzard has already announced there's going to be a, a league for Overwatch. It's going, you know, Heroes of the Storm as well. They're basically moving everything other than uh, StarCraft, which they're basically letting continue to run as it used to run. They're now all moving more towards a league system. Hearthstone might be an exception as well. I, I'm honestly, I'm I what play Hearthstone all the time. Games, 1v1 type games are like an exception because you don't yeah. have to deal with roster changes. It's just. Yeah, but so, I mean, look, you've got to have it ready by the time that new league starts. And yeah. I don't know, you know, we know it's going to be in January. We I, That's at least what the, the rumors are indicating. We're still waiting for more details on exactly how it works. But to that extent, I, Blizzard. I get it. Yeah, Blizzard needs to let us know these things. But on the other hand, I I look at the, the trades that were made, and you, you said I that you like the trade between Rogue, Misfits, and Luminosity. Um, I understand that players like playing with people of their own nationality. I understand that there is a benefit to that as far as cultural understanding and even sometimes language. I mean, most of the time they could speak English. Most Europeans speak English just fine, but sure, maybe there's some little advantage in having these guys speak Swedish. Um, Luminosity has accomplished absolutely nothing as a team. This is not a good team. This is not a good roster. And... Luminosity found a way with this trade to get rid of uh, Manitin and Zave, who, in my opinion, didn't do nearly enough for Misfits this week to justify the, the what, who they lost in uh, in Soon and Hidan, both of whom had been such a, an important part of the team, and they end up getting a Kiru and Hidan. Uh, overall which is just to, to me it's 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 kind of incredible how you know just the logic that went into it it they they had three rosters one of which was potentially the best in the world or had been the best in the world until they lost at apex rogue had won more tournaments than any right. other team right you have a team that had accomplished nothing and a team that was kind of in between and they split their rosters amongst the three of them and I'm just not sure that that was the best move for the team that was a lot farther ahead. Like, what what does Rogue get by losing Tavik and Reinforce? It's not like Skipjack is French. He's still German. So you still don't have all the same ethnicity. And even if you did, it's Tavik and Reinforce. These are two of the best guys in the game so far this <laughs> year. Like, are we? do they know something we don't? Is there a personality problem? Is there a, you know, we think the meta is moving away from what they can do? Because I got to tell you, Reinforce still seems to me like he's probably the best Reinhardt, you know, that we're going to have. And that's something that would have been very helpful for Misfits had they not gotten rid of, you know, Soon and Skipjack and having to deal with all of this. Honestly, I mean, look, like, I, I'm uh, now I'm extrapolating. I'm going too far, but <laughs> I, and I understand that. But I mean, just walking it through in your head, it, is this a trade that you know? And, and given what we saw at this tournament, which again is admittedly a small sample size, and they've been together for maybe fifteen days, if we believe the dates, you know, maybe a little more, maybe a little less travel time, yeah. all that. Is it? Are, can we make some of those judgments yet? Is it is it no. safe to be skeptical well, about this trade? You, so you say all hands I, I off. I don't think I don't think you can make any judgments because it's so it's only been two weeks. Like you said, it's been fourteen days, maybe a month at the most. We still haven't seen Luminosity play. Like 
in every trade, there's going to be winners and there's going to be losers. And we've only seen two of the teams play. That's true. One, like one series. That's we've seen true. them play three. Uh, we've seen them play three games, basically three to five games. Yeah, that's fair. Like I, who knows? Like maybe the coaches come out and be like, "Oh yeah, in scrims we're killing it. Like oh, we're kicking everybody's butts. Like don't worry about everything." Like. We don't know. This scene is still so completely underdeveloped when we think about other scenes that we cover and what we know about League of Legends and what everything happens. And any time a trade happens in League of Legends, we have so much, you know, background to, to dissect it. We just don't have that in Overwatch yet. It just it's been around for a year. Yeah. It's basically been around for a year and we're just starting to see in the last six months these teams really solidify themselves, really, you know, start building up loyalty to organizations. Mm-hmm. And we're now starting to actually identify, you know, we are starting to identify Taimu as a team envious player. We're starting to identify Siegel now as an energy player. Like we're just getting to the point where that's really starting to become concrete ideas in our head. Like mm-hmm. give it some time. You know, if in three months from now, this trade, like these players, are not on these teams, and we can go. Yeah, it was totally a waste. Like was, I don't know why they were doing it. Who knows? We, I, I need to see more tape before I can say, yeah, this trade was absolutely wash, or, uh, or it was great for one team, it was bad for the other. Team. Like we yeah. don't know. I, it's been four, seven maps total. Here's, seven. here's where I come down, and I, I, I guess, first of all, I will say this uh, to your point. It is very early in the game, and we're already seeing that systems you know can often kind of define a team more than an individual player which is something that i think a lot of people including myself can fall into sometimes as good as tv can reinforce maybe as individuals it's about a team at the end of the day and africa freaks also made roster changes right before this tournament Jin and yes man left so mono and amy could join and guess what they had the exact same problems that they did at apex nothing had changed they still can't play hybrid maps they still end up uh, having terrible offense on most of those, and it, you know, their inability to siege properly is still their biggest weakness, despite the fact that they're one of the best point capture teams currently playing. So, you can replace players, and nothing can ultimately change about your play style. It's all about how you incorporate the talent that is available to you and make it work. But I, but the the devil's advocate, and I, I just I throw this out there because. You know, I, I look at Tavik and Reinforce in particular, and I say to myself, are guys like that, proven veterans who... And, and I'm talking specifically about Rogue, because with Misfits, there's only upside with this, right? They get Tavik, they get Reinforce, they have an all-Swedish roster. They're going to be, you know, they're fine. They couldn't really... They were a mid-tier team before. They haven't lost talent, if you were going to look at it as an individual level. Mm-hmm. And... They have upside from here. That trade makes sense to me. Luminosity, I think any time that you're a team that's struggling to, to break out into anything past ninth place at a premier tournament, you know, making deals makes a lot of sense. And luckily for them, they had a whole bunch of guys of different ethnicities to move those trades along. But Rogue is one of those things. I, I feel like they might have jumped the gun. In making changes, they had one tournament that wasn't quite up to par, in which they they lose that series in Apex. Uh, 
it was uh, after getting envious. yeah there was that to that envious team and envious is the best team in the world right now as far as we know for the record only envious has ever lost a starter that was supposed to be a good player thrown in a random guy who had never played a professional <laughs> team in the last minute and then won not he's only the best that team tournament player on the planet like right now not only won that tournament but then the tournament after both of them they won with 4-0 victories in the finals that's insane for the record so why are we taking a 3-2 loss to envious a team that's that good that hard because before that they went 3 and 0 in the group stage at apex and they still went 3-2 against the best team in the world and I don't touch a roster in that situation. I don't know why you, uh, unless there's discipline problems, which, you know, who knows? Maybe they just don't get along. I feel like you have to stick with that talent as long as you're still performing well. And there's no evidence that Rogue was dropping off. Misfits? Sure. Plenty of evidence they needed to get better. Luminosity? Undoubtedly needed to get better. Rogue might have been great just the way they were. They'd beaten Envious before multiple times. They have won big tournaments within the last three months. It just, it felt like an overreaction to me. It, they did not look great against LW Red. I, really quick, how do we feel about uh, LW combining their two sister teams in order to make a super roster for this tournament? Because as it far as... for this tournament! <laughs> yeah, apparently, that's, I mean, is that, but assuming that they go back to red and blue, because no one's been released... Uh, Luxury Watch has has kept all their players. It appears that they just wanted to give their best players a tournament experience and b the best chance to get the fifty thousand dollar grand prize. Um, is this a positive thing? Do we do we like seeing sister teams kind of merge together in a tournament like this, or is this something that we'd have to look out for uh, going forward if we want the scene to be I in the healthiest spot? I don't think it matters because at some point Luxury Watch is going to look at this and go, okay, why are we playing these other six players when we have a solid roster here? Like, that's that's what's going to happen. Like, what do they value? Like, at the beginning stage of the game, having sister teams is smart because it gives you extra tickets. Yes. It gives you extra tickets into the lottery and maybe you strike big and you get lucky. And it it's way easier to have 12 players and have exclusivity on all 12 of these players and then pick which six of them you want by the time, you know, the, the Overwatch tournament, you know, league shows up or the next Apex or whatever the next major Korean tournament's going to be. It's much easier to go, I have 12 players that are all professionals. They're all, you know, good enough to play in the professional scene. Mm -hmm. Now, if I can take the six best of them and put them all together and they're good enough to win some tournaments, yeah, I don't need the other six anymore. So just because they haven't released them yet doesn't mean that they're going to go immediately go back to, you know, red and blue. Um... I think when a team is successful, you want to like continue to see what it's like. Maybe they will scrim and they'll just have these six players, and the other six players will become the B squad. Like you don't know what the inner workings of are of an organization. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think this like merging them together just for one tournament thing is really an issue yet. If we constantly see teams like over and over again, like if somebody did this at at like Apex. And had like two rosters that were just playing like little tournaments. And then for Apex, combined them together. Yeah, maybe it hold a little bit more water. But again, an IEM tournament is just kind of like, mm. yeah, it's like a mine. It's like a minor tournament to me. It's yeah, it's listed as even though it's a hundred k. Like I guess it's a major just because of the it, prize. And it's listed still. as a premiere if you look at you know how 
you know, Liquipedia judges it. And of course, Liquipedia and esports wikis are the two that we always use for all our information. Uh, Winston's Lab for advanced Overwatch stats, if you're into that kind of thing and want to look at some some breakdowns of, of how the meta is shaped up. I don't think a lot's changed since the last time we talked about the meta. So, four, um, four tanks, the occasional DPS guy, like the occasional. Uh, <laughs> the occasional DPS guy? Well, like, yeah, the occasional, like. Soldier seventy six and other DPS unit, like other yeah. DPS characters are very like situational. Like, I I'm a little bored seeing four tanks. I really hope that that Blizzard does something to sort of kind of kill this meta because it is it is slightly boring to me to just see four like all you know four out of five tanks all be used and go two healers. Like I, I really hope they kind of shake the meta up a little. I think that uh, I think that the tanks have certainly gotten a disproportionate amount of playtime recently. Um, I think some tanks, that's always going to be the case. Like, I don't know how you make Reinhardt balanced in a competitive landscape because people who know how to use that shield properly are always going to be able to protect their team better than people who don't have the shield. Like, there are some characters that right now would really... You would have to have added new characters who can do similar things in different ways. Like, the game as it exists, there are always going to be certain characters that are valuable. But it doesn't have to be quite this hard for big plays to shine through and you know with the exception of an occasional tracer which i have to say uh sabiobi all hail man i love his tracer he's tracer ballsy he is so much fun to watch i mean he just does not give a crap what anyone else thinks he is nope. just going to go in. He will take any point. He will follow any, you know, he will defend any payload. He's just, he has no off button. And it's just so much fun to watch that. As, as someone who's a fan of the game, it is so much fun to see that kind of come together. I, you know, and I think we're going to see more of that. I think we're going to see as people get better and better at the game, those kind of high skill cap characters we're going to see more people pulling those out of pocket picks. You know, the Arhan Genji, for instance, which still found a way to be valuable, even in a meta in which Genji really should not work. Um, but this is the, you know, this is the world we, we look at right now as far as, you know, Korea. Everything seems to be up in the air. Uh, obviously, these are not all the same teams that were at Apex, but Africa still can't put together a full tournament. Uh, Lunatic High went from being 3-0'd in the first round to being a finalist here. LW Red didn't qualify for Apex. Uh, half of the roster did, I guess, when they were on blue, and that team also didn't go very far. <laughs> Kongdu Panthera was the worst of the two Kongdu teams. and I, we are. I mean, uh, down the... like. I have no idea what's going on in Korea. Europe just decided to trade everybody. So now we're kind of confused about Europe. And North America just had a, hey, do you guys remember that Envious is the best team in the in the world right now? Because Envious is the best team in the world right now over in Las Vegas with MLG. Which is, is the last thing I want to talk about just real quick. Do we... How do we feel about, you know, not now that we're going to a league system... Do we really need like full regional events where this is all NA teams, especially on the same weekend that we have an IEM event that's already going to be a big name draw? I really hope that going to the Overwatch League does not kill third party tournaments. But to be fair, um, no. Like if if we're gonna if we're if in all honesty, if we're gonna have you know global leagues, we're gonna have Europe League, a North America League, and a, a Korea League. Awesome. If it's going to be all the teams somehow all play together in the same league, cool. I don't know how Blizzard does that. Whatever their plans are, mm-hmm. no, you don't. 
you don't need MLG doesn't need to do let's invite eight North American teams to all play in this tournament one weekend mm -hmm. unless it is somehow built into the structure of the season. Right. Let's not forget way back in season three, Riot would occasionally go to MLG and that would be their you know week three and four matchups of the LCS or their week four matchup of the LCS would be you know a couple of the teams like they would do interesting things like that. If Blizzard's willing mm -hmm. to work with these third party tournament providers to do stuff like that awesome if it's going to be you know in be like if they're going to play five weeks here and then have like a three-week break and that second week out of the three weeks is a hey let's do you know one regional you know one regional event in north america and that's extra circuit points and then the next after the next five weeks we'll do one regional event in europe and that's all european teams and that's extra circuit points and if you want to do things like that like there's a lot of things you can do but when you're going to do like a regional week-by-week -week league you don't need to have region locked um, events like this. So I think this was MLG trying to get it, you know, get one of their shots in um, before you do go to like a league structure. Yeah, and and I, I get why you'd want to get that shot in when you can. Obviously, it's easier when you have all North American teams as far as travel costs go when you're holding an event in the United States. Um, I thought it was unfortunate that they decided to run it the same weekend as IEM just because so much attention was being brought over there. And if you weren't being paying attention there, you were probably paying attention to the E-League qualifier where Vega Squadron knocked out a legitimate good team in Ninjas in Pajamas. Like, I This don't... is the first major Ninjas in Pajamas the four players there will not attend. It's insane. Forrest, get right, all of them. This is a, so the much of a bigger major. story that people have made it out to be. And I, I understand, like, when it happened, people were like, oh, man, I, you know, Vega Squadron, some random Russian team. And then the next day happened and we somehow just forgot that we may have seen the biggest nominal upset in history. This is like what happened for, you know, if you're a League of Legends fan, this is the equivalent of when we saw Albus Knox Luna beat the Rocks Tigers. Like, that just happened, except instead, in this situation, this would have prevented the Rocks Tigers from going to Worlds. That's what yeah, we just saw, and no one's talking about it anymore. Like, we just let that one game happen, and it's like, oh, I can't wait for E-League. Like... Look, I, Vega Squadron cannot be an asterisk in a record book as a team that happened to be in the right place at the right time. Like, that was a 16-2 to 2 stomp. And all of this is to say, I don't know what MLG Vegas was doing last week. Like, that really seemed like bad timing. You were competing against another Overwatch tournament run by OGN. You were competing against E-League. You were competing against League of Legends. It just was a it was a weird call, and the fact that Envious just ran the table did not help. Maybe if yeah. it's a closer tournament, we feel differently. Maybe if it's not exclusively on YouTube, which is something I did not know about. And MLG.tv. And MLG.tv. Like, maybe that helps. I don't know, but it uh it, it was rough. And you know what else was rough, Ross, uh, Walter? I, I really hate what was rough? the current state of Western League of Legends compared to Korea. <laughs> That's that's just rough. I'm just tired. I'm tired of this. Why is Koreans, it? Koreans won in StarCraft. Koreans won in Overwatch. Koreans won in a League of Legends. What are we doing? Here's my Americans? question. What? Where is our sense of pride? How where is our sense of purpose? Why? We're number one. America's number one, baby. Come on. How did we Come let on. ever happen again? Remember when Ever won the Kespa Cup in 2015? 
and we just watched them then somehow end up being top two at that I event. And we're like, how did this happen ever as a group of nobodies? Well, I guess they must be really good. And then they went in OGN and they weren't very good. Yeah. Hi, Kongdu Monster. How you doing? Feel, feeling good about that second place finish yeah. against a whole bunch of rosters that hadn't solidified themselves? Oh, Roach is bad. It's not great. And, you know... Soul, Soul is like a god tier to carry. He's going he's gonna to be fun to watch. Roach is awful. Well, and this is the thing. Kongdu does what I think you need to do if you want to be a decent team, which is understand their strengths and weaknesses. Yep. Uh, and by the way, we're not talking about Samsung because, of course, Samsung won the tournament. We told you guys last week Samsung was going to win the tournament. If you want to hear our thoughts on Samsung, Dude, go back and listen to that. we saw out of crown. Holy shit, he has a champion pool. <laughs> he actually has a champion pool. He played Talia. That's... My mind is blown. Sure. Completely blown. I feel like you're underestimating the champion pool that Crowd had during LCK Summer. How many different champions do you think he had a winning record? Uh, he had a win on in LCK Summer. In LCK Summer? Yeah. Eight. Eleven. Damn. Eleven different champions he won a game in, and that doesn't include. He also had a zillion game in the regional finals. He had two and zero in Talia in the regional finals in Korea. Uh. A Malzahar win, so he added quite a few more of them in the regional finals. Just, he always plays Victor. It's just like I well, see. Why would you not? Like, he's oh, he's I'm the Victor. best Victor in the world. Oh, Victor! It's like saying like if if LeBlanc was open against Faker in this particular meta where she was banned in every single match. No, seriously, she was banned in every single Plays. match. Like, <laughs> like some bronze level bands right there, boys. Could you imagine, like, like Faker seeing LeBlanc open and be like, nah, I don't need to take it. Like, of course Crowd's taking Victor. And of course Samsung were the best team at this tournament. They just got second place at Worlds. I don't feel a need to talk about them. The other teams are more interesting, and Kongdu is interesting Oh, so me. now that second place finish at Worlds is impressive. I didn't say it was impressive. Oh, oh. Co okay, how about this? Compared to three teams that just made roster changes, a Taiwanese team that I am actively ashamed of, and <laughs> the second place finisher at Kespa Cup that wasn't even an LCK team last split, yeah, then second place at Worlds matters. Does that mean that they were better than KT or um, or what we saw from the Rocks Tigers? Not particularly, yes. but compared yes. to the rest of the teams in this tournament, they're Golden oxes ready to be praised and worshipped at the, you know, before Moses will throw his commandments at us and tell us we need to start watching Western League again. Like, that's basically what this does. I, But look, Kongdi Monster <laughs> is a fun team. They have a good AD carry that knows how to be aggressive. He might overextend. In fact, he will almost certainly overextend. But he knows how to make plays. He has an instinct towards being a player who can set up the rest of his teammates for success. And Edge had a deep enough champion pool, held his own against Crown, did very well against some of the lesser mid laners in this tournament. I was incredibly... Yes, and and beat Night Up, by the way. Because, you know, that was not unlike a... His namesake, unlike his namesake, Roach died a lot. Yes. He was not hard to kill. He was very easy to kill. He was pretty... Awful. This is a team that will be playing around the bottom half of their map. Almost God, I hope so. He's, he's got to be so happy. Like, someday, like, all these top laners just, like, left Korea. He's like, oh, cool. All I got to deal with is Smeb? Like, oh, Hoonie? I mean, yeah, whatever. Oh, okay. Like, okay. Like, but there's not many, like, good top laners left. Like, I can deal with this. This is okay. I want to point out, 
Yeah, the top laners he'll be dealing with are uh, confirmed. Marin, Spe Smeb, Expression, Cuve, Prophet, and Huni. Uh, he will probably all play at some point. All of which will destroy him. I don't mean beat him. I, I mean destroy him. These are this is a concern to me if I'm Kong to. Yeah, that's pretty pretty big concern. But you know, like for a tournament like this, they did enough. And that you know, sometimes that has to be enough. You have to look at a team and say, they did what they needed to do. And the the thing that we really want to get into, because we tend to focus more on the West, you know, it's good to acknowledge Samsung's still really good. Kongdu might be interesting. I think they're going to be like ever and fall off pretty hard when we actually play against Korean Probably. teams uh, and solidified rosters, especially. But we had three Western teams there. And all of wanna, them wait, had wait, wait, roster wait. changes. Do we want to say anything about Koo or Vega real quick? Uh, or about Vega or Dark Passage? I love how you just named Dark Passage Koo because that's the only, like, I mean, look. Uh, anything? Dark, Nothing? Uh, no? I still uh, dislike Holy Phoenix for being a mercenary that kicked my team out of a chance to be a professional Turkish team. Uh, but outside of my own personal vendettas, they, they were who we thought they were. They're, the second best Turkish team isn't going to do much in an international event like this. Uh, the second best Russian team isn't going to do much in an international event. I'm not even sure they're the second best Russian team the way they played. I uh, That was rough. That was They were uglier than I was expecting, and my expectations were low. They got 2-0'd by J-Team. That's all. Like, I, and it wasn't a close 2-0. They got no. crushed by J-Team. A team that I am so ashamed of, I don't plan on saying their name again in this podcast. So, yeah. Fair not enough. much to say about those wildcard regions. Let's talk about the Western teams. Uh, let's do Europe first, because there's only one of those. Okay. How much better do you... Do you feel better or worse about Giants than you did heading into the tournament? I feel way better. Way Holy better. crap, Upset is a good AD carry. Yeah, he is. Upset, like, granted, he was playing utility, farmy, kind of safe AD carries. Sure. But he looked pretty good. Like, I was pretty impressed with how he was playing, in mm -hmm. all honesty. The, the first game that uh, Liquid and Giants played against each other, he outplayed Piglet. Yes. And maybe it was just Piglet being egotistical and wanting to play Vayne. I, whatever, they, we'll talk about that in a moment. But, like, he mm -hmm. outplayed Piglet, and he outlaned that bot lane, and... Uh, he just wiped away any worries I had. Knight, Knight was iffy at, at times. He looked good, but then there were still some moments where he sort of like disappeared for you know five ten minutes at a time. And he's really got to be their superstar. Flaxish, mm -hmm. Flaxish, yes. eh. come on, eh. come on, no, come on. I will not. Look pretty good he, he looked pretty damn good if i do say so myself i mean you can say that yourself if you'd like let me put it this way he had a chance to go up against roach twice and they got two owed he, he, he had his chance to prove something against the not, a top later we just went on a rant about how not good he is and he did nothing in that series so I'm not in on Flax yet. That series is entirely his fault. I didn't say it was his fault. I think there are several problems that Giants have. I, I think that my biggest problem going into this was is the same coming out of this is the same problem going into this, which is Mighty Bear. I think without a jungler, this team is going to have problems because, as we saw, as good as Knight was, a good mid laner like Edge who has coordination amongst his teammates is going to beat him out. And maybe Mighty Bear can learn, but we have an entire split of Mighty Bear that says he can't. 
And we have, you know, Kelsey Moser wrote articles about him back when he first signed about how he looked in the LSPL. And it's the same problems over and over and over again. And that's not going to be good enough for a top tier European team. Uh, I feel better about the Votlin. I, I do. I thought Upset played well. Absolutely. I was I was impressed by him. Uh, I was I, I thought Flaxish was fine. I I really think that biggest eye roll ever. You, you just fine. You just need to have your you you need to have top jungle synergy if you want to have value on the top side of the map. And Mighty Bear wasn't doing anything to really help him, and Flaxish wasn't doing anything to set up Mighty Bear for easy plays. So. To me, maybe that gets fixed over time, but I didn't see Flaxus as an individual talent enough to make up for Mighty Bear's discrepancies that we've seen over his career. So unless they really surprise us and develop a whole new strategy from anything we've seen either of those players perform before, I think they are who I thought they were. And I think they're the thing that will hold Giants back unless upset goes absolutely bonkers because having two carries does nothing if you don't have anyone to get those carries fed and you don't have anyone who could soak up damage or lock down the cc that you need to let those carries do their carry thing in the mid to late game which is what giant's problem was ultimately um it didn't show the first time they played liquid but it did come up the second time but liquid did finish in technically fourth place which is kind of amazing in its own right not that we were expecting them to beat Samsung, so it's not really fair to judge them that way. And we do have to give them credit. They got out of their group. How do you feel about them compared to how you felt going into the tournament? Well, Piglet's terrible, <laughs> which is exactly what I had expectations for. Uh, he was pretty mediocre. He wasn't terrible. He was pretty mediocre. He looked like a guy who uh, doesn't belong in this era of League of Legends, I again, I said I'd talk about the Vayne pick. I don't know whose pick that was. That feels just like a piglet, like, oh, I'm going to beat up on this rookie. Give me Vayne. Give me Vayne. And then he got the snot beaten out of him by this rookie playing like Ezreal. I, whatever. Piglet is going to be, uh, the Piglet's going to be the new Lokodoka to me in the LCS, where I'm going to hate this guy. I'm going to hate watching him. Anytime I get a chance to rag on him, I probably am. And you're going to hear very little praise from me because I don't understand why this kid is still on an LCS roster. I don't. I legitimately don't when there is probably better, more proven modern talent out there in Korea, in North America. You could have had Cody's son. Like, I don't understand this... Um, I don't understand this fascination with keeping him in liquid colors. I, I just don't. I don't. But the, then there's this magical thing, Walter, called the sunk cost fallacy, which is this this yeah, thing that I happens when you invest so much money into I a project and you just want it to work. And the thing is, I don't think Piglet is a terrible player. I think Piglet is playing poorly because I don't think Piglet is in an environment in which he as a personality is built to succeed. It's not how he's wired. He doesn't like playing with North Americans who aren't all competitive all the time. Uh, he doesn't like to, you know, being away from his girlfriend that's still over in Korea. Like it, go home. This is playing a Korean challenger team for right, God's sake. I, and, and that's what you know. Get this. You would think that that's what he would do, but as long as Liquid's giving him the paycheck, I would keep taking the paycheck too. It's got to be a lot of money. He keeps coming back to a team that he's actively tried to leave 
a couple times. Not to mention getting to have to go back to Challenger in the summer and the year before when he got himself suspended for a couple weeks. Um, so it's it's a problem, and I I, I feel. I feel like Golden Glue did enough to make me feel like he's he going to be. Some highs. He had some he highs. He had some. He had some like he had some moments where I'm like, okay, yeah, this is the guy that like back in season three was going to replace Scara. He had some moments, especially on Cassiopeia, where I was like, all right, I'm digging this dude. Like I, I'm kind of understanding why. I'm sort of understanding why you kept him, why you wanted him to be your mid laner. Um, the problem is, it's the same problem that Liquid has had. For the past two, three years, essentially, is like your mid laner is a two guy. At his best, he's probably a two guy. Mm-hmm. I'm not sold that Rainover is going to be this single carry guy, and and he was. Mm-hmm. It was really him and Golden Glue that were really carrying this team. Yeah. But a meta shift can just kill that. Mm-hmm. One shift to going to super hard tanks, going back to Sejuani, going to Gragas, you know, Maokai Jungle. I don't. I don't even know what else. It would be Maokai Jungle. Like, Lee, Lee Sin is so ingrained in Riot. is like, this is the perfect competitive jungler. We want to barely touch him, so he continues to be played in competitively and screw you. Which is almost a direct quote, by the way. Which We're is not almost even making direct, that up. That was a forum post that a Rioter made that's because the, what is balance? But that's the problem. Is like Piglet's supposed to be the number one guy. He's the world champion. He's the guy that you brought in to be that guy. As Roman Reigns puts it, I'm not a guy. I'm the guy. And guess what? Much like Roman Reigns, <laughs> no, you're not. No, he's not. It's not. You can't. Out, baby. And you know what? Team Liquid is just like the WWE in that they keep telling us that he's the guy. And he keeps telling us why we should think that he's the guy without us ever seeing. Oh, yeah, that's the guy. And I know, I know right now that some of you Team Liquid fans are already going to your keyboard and you're trying to send me stats from 2015 summer and 2016 spring, and that's all well and good. But, and this is the but that matters, if you spend that much money on a player, the amount of time, energy, resources, everything they've done for a guy like Piglet, you are doing it because you think this guy can get you to Worlds or Hopefully even further than the Worlds. Hopefully Liquid's aspirations are not just get to Worlds. You know, dream big, right? You're one of the, you know, original organizations. You've got a whole bunch of money from outside investors. You have got a chance and an under, you have a heads up over all of these people who are much newer to the scene than you in terms of how to run a business and how to scout talent, all these things. Do it right. Do, do, don't spend so much time trying to shove a square peg into a round hole. You will, it will not help anyone involved. And unfortunately, we're going to get another split of this. And, you know, if I'm a Team Liquid fan, I look at this and I say, well, Piglet has proven he can be better. He's played better than this, and he can play better than this again. He likely will. I would be shocked if he plays at this level for an entire year, but who knows? Um, Matt... We'll see uh, Golden Glue week in and week out. I have a feeling that the more people get film on him, he might have some holes exploited, but he does does some good things right now. I just don't... I don't know why you would settle for this if you were Liquid. Because... It's it it's bad. Yeah, Jacob Wolf screwed up Smeb. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's just it, to me, it comes down to it's it's bad analysis to say that Piglet played bad, so therefore Piglet is bad and he can't ever be good. But 
I think it's good analysis to say we have a year and a half of Liquid doing the Piglet experiment. It has never succeeded despite a supporting cast that you can argue was better than the one that he has right now, depending on what era you're looking at. And Insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And Just so you guys know, I looked at the stats for IEM Young E and, uh, and he was like fifth. He was like mid. Out of all the 80 carries that played, he was like in the middle of everything. Uh, kills, he was top two. I'll give you that. Assist but he played like- more games. That's, that's the problem. Those raw stats yeah. don't mean anything because if you're Dark Passage, you only played three games. So that means given that half of the teams in this tournament played at least one fewer round than they did and a, a, you know half of those played two fewer rounds than they did, he still couldn't get top four. That's incredible. I, look, I, look I, 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 say it, I, I say all of this understanding that Team Liquid fans are, are, are going to be you know mad at, at us for bringing this up and, and particularly me because I'm being so harsh on it. But I don't say this because I dislike Team Liquid. I don't say this because I dislike Piglet. I would have rather seen them sign Loken. I think Loken is a better player right now, but that's not the the way they decided to go. I'm sad about this because it's Liquid settling. It's it's like being top four is good enough for them. They don't push themselves towards being better than what they've been. And so we never get to see what they could be. And I guess if you don't like Team Liquid, that's great, and you can continue on that way, but... I'm a fan of good League of Legends, and Piglet, at the very best, is a change of scenery guy. He's done this for a year and a half now. We know what he is on Team Liquid. Put him in different colors, get a new guy in your colors, try something different. Because otherwise, I look forward to seeing Liquid in the 4-6 to six range at the end of the playoffs this split. Which, oh, maybe that's fine. Maybe that's all you guys want. I would want for more than that. And I want more than that for Liquid fans, but... You know who you don't want more for? My boys? Your new, your new favorite North American... Did, did you know what I'm repping the team colors? Team. I really can't believe you're doing this. Oh, I'm so in. I can't believe you're actually doing this to these... Why would you do this to Dardoch? Um, Why would you do this to Flame? You've done this. Well, I've done this to, to Flame Alter. before. Flame, Flame was the Flame original. <laughs> Cody Song, this poor rookie. You're like, yeah, yeah. I'm about to ruin this kid's life. Don't yeah. worry about this. Like, and, and for those of you who who haven't listened to the show before, we should point out my fandoms in League of Legends. Uh, Team Dynamic, which became Good Game University, which became Coast, which became non-existent. Uh, I was a Renegades fan. That ended well. CJ Entis, lots of positivity there. I was a TPA fan, but only after they won the World Championship, so I got all of the heartache and very little of the joy and satisfaction from it. Uh, oh, and I'm a Rocket fan. So, and oh, a and an Atlanta Falcon, and, and a Winter Fox fan. I forgot about Winter Fox because we forgot that uh, that the Brian owner Ford. was involved. Brian, God damn, that was. That was a long time, long Chase, dark time ago. Up, anything that Chase loves dies. I do not root for good teams. What, they, whatever they higher, whether it's just you know, the universe, karma, whatever you want to say, they've just decided that I am not allowed to root for good teams. Which is why when I say I'm rooting for Immortals, people like Walter get terrified, and people on Twitter get terrified. All year. 
and you all should bet year, and, every game, every single game. I'm gonna gamble against the mortals. It's and it's in play, and I get that. But if you could forget for a second that I have accidentally ruined this team, and I, I shouldn't say accidentally, I chose this, but I have purposely tried ruined this team without trying to. But that is how these things end up. Is there any chance they, that you saw enough to surpass the curse that I will inevitably place on them? Like, so here, here's the thing. With the good comes the bad. I'm yeah. going to start with the bad because the bad was pretty, pretty... I, I thought Piglet was bad. Man, Cody's son and Ole were really rough. Yeah. It was really rough. Cody definitely looked like a, a rookie that it's not used to playing at this level, not used to playing against these type of aggressive 80 carries. Yeah. Ole just looked weird. Just doesn't like looks out of position. Looks like he hasn't been playing League of Legends in a while. Like I don't know what it is. He just looked rough. His roaming was really off. Um, his ward placements were mediocre. They really lacked vision control on the bottom side. Um, really, just really, really harsh laning phases. It's just bad. It's just really bad on the bottom side. But that's okay <laughs> because our Lord and Savior Flame and my personal. My personal savior, Gardok. Holy moly! All hail. God rest the souls of the top laners that have to play against Flame if it even kicks slightly towards, like, Fiora and Jace and Cannon, like, carry top laners. Rumble, if, if you take him off of, like, Poppy Maokai and he goes on to carries... Holy crap! I know, right? He's going to kill people. You, he might physically leave Lorlo's body lying, <laughs> like just like limp in his chair in the LCS stage if he gets to play Rumble. I am so excited for that top lane. It's so great. so excited. I look. If you're watching on video, you could see I'm I'm almost giggling with like the glee of like a five year old kid who just found a free piece of chocolate. He like, just froze. I just don't. I, I'm so happy. Like, I just don't get, like, these things just don't tend to work out. And Chase, I, I, just so you I know. loved Flame so much. And when he left CJ Entis, it broke my heart. And I saw him on Long Zoo, and I felt like he never got a fair shake. I was so with Thorin on something, which I hate being with Thorin on a whole bunch of things. But this was one thing I'm like, yes, Thorin, I agree with you. Please, free Flame. And now I get to watch Flame play Balls. At least, at least twice in the year, uh, assuming that sticks. I got to see him play Zig. I get to see him play potentially Seraph. Like, oh my god, this uh, is gonna, this is gonna be so much fun just for that alone. And I, but then you also get to see him against Looper someday, Haunters, yeah, and Impact. That, and that'll be fun as an analyst. Like that's the thing. Maybe Ray. I'm very excited about this team, both as as just a fanboy and an analyst. From a fanboy's perspective. Flame is so much fun to watch. Dardock is so much fun to watch. And it's nice to be able to root for him now. I feel like he was the definition of a change of scenery guy. Whether this chooses to be the right scenery, we'll have to see. But he looked like he had plenty of coordination with his solo laners. I, I felt like the bot lane was kind of left hung out to dry, which says something about the meta in general, I'd say right now. People really are not prioritizing the bot lane at all. Uh, it's a pretty weak position, especially after certain mastery changes. And this is 6.23, by the way. So let's all accept the fact that this patch is dumb. Uh, I'd like to point out that we had three, three different champions that were 100% pick and banned and one that was 96% pick and banned. Good patches don't have that. So 
we are aware that this was not World's a... patches have that. World's patch actually is not usually 100% by the end of it. With these... Season 5? Season 5, yeah, that was a bad Season patch. Five, that was a like, bad patch! Boom. That was a bad patch. We could like we don't have to live that way. And I think Worlds this year was better, but that was this was not a great patch. So we'll still have to see. And I I think that AD carries are going to be in a better spot. And honestly, of all the spots, that, if you were an Immortals fan like me now, and you uh you were like, what part is it okay to be rusty? It's going to be the bot lane. I'll, what did Ollie do? Ollie played for Hong Kong esports last year. And not only is Hong Kong esports not good. Particularly, it, th- he was playing in a region in which there aren't a lot of great bot lanes. That's just not how the region kind of defines itself. Well, and oh, by the way, his AD carry was Raisin, who is now on Team World Elite and is absolutely not a player that you need to be worried about or even bother remembering his name as soon as I finish the sentence. Like, he hasn't had. Reason? Raisin, R-A-I-S-O-N. You'll never remember him again. Don't worry about it. It won't matter. He's on World Elite. It doesn't matter anymore. But we're just like, for the purposes of this, he hasn't played with a really great uh, AD carry in a while. And he certainly hasn't played with a uh, a group of players that are as aggressive as someone like a Dardock definitely is. And his flame is likely to be in the right meta. Uh, and... Bot lane synergy takes time. Cody Sun and Ole, we don't even know how the language barrier is working out. It should be fine. Anyone who played on Hong Kong esports probably was good at English, but I don't know that for a fact. Don't quote me. Um, they should improve as a you know just from a pure synergy perspective, you know, and, and the mechanics certainly we've seen that from Cody Sun both on ladder and in challenger. So I'm not worried about the mechanics. They can get better. They have time. To get better before the regular season starts, but they've got a core of Flame, Dardock, and Pobelter that I think automatically makes them a challenger for a championship this split. I think that's a, like if you have three players that are that good at core positions, you just have to have a middle of the pack bot lane, right? Isn't that why everyone's so excited about Dignitas and the Lod signing? Is that all you need is a middle of the pack bot lane and you're going to be okay if your core is that good? The question is whether there's room for both Immortals and Dignitas in the teams that have really great top laners and junglers and a mid laner that you can trust, but a bot lane that's questionable. Which one of those rises out? I'm not sure if we get both of those to a finals. I think TSM's too good. I think CLG has too much infrastructure uh, to let that kind of go by unnoticed. We'll see. This is this is a big Korean like import spree to North America. Yes. This is a this, and this is good Koreans. Yes. Like this isn't Phoenix and Keen. No offense to Phoenix and Keen. They're 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 solid role players. They're we're, solid number twos. We'll disagree on Phoenix. They're B plus players. GBM was supposed to be a great player too though. Like let's not forget we have gotten great oh, players God, before. Don't bring me, don't Re- remember when Impact was on NRG and was washed up for a split and oh, then went on a good God. team and got good again? This is oh, the thing. This is what we really have to remember more than anything else. Imports work in the context of the team around them. I think that is safe to say. Uh, Mighty Bear might be a great jungler in the right system if people work with him well. He certainly has, you know, potential. He has talent. He has mechanical skill. He wouldn't have gotten signed by people if he didn't. 
but he has to learn other things. It's the mental side of the game. It's in having a cohesive team identity. We know Immortals has that. We know Dignitas is likely to have it with the new coaches they've gotten. We know TSM and CLG are going to have it. And we know that there are a lot of other Korean talented players who are coming in who, if surrounded by the right guys, if these angel investors come in the right way, NA could get fun really quickly. And this podcast... Yeah, I mean, sure. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> Why couldn't you root for them? Go I root for Dignitas. Leave Immortals alone. Look, I, I don't want to jinx the six, 76ers. Just... I mean, come on. They've got like five or six players that might eventually become good if they ever stay healthy. And oh, by the way, they've sucked for forever. How much worse could I curse them? Like, I, I need... MB Embiid. MB Embiid. I do love MB Embiid. I love Embiid. I love Embiid. I love Ben Simmons. I love I love Nerlens Noel. I wish they could find a way to make all three of them work. I bet one's going. This is not a basketball podcast. We should wrap this up. When we get to basketball, that's really when we've realized that uh that we've said everything we need to say about IEM. Unless there's anything you want to throw out real quick. No. I think I I'm so glad Dardox's going to make Steve look like an idiot for releasing him and keep Piglet so happy this is gonna be uh, uh if you're a team liquid fan uh turn off the podcast now you're for the rest of you me you can find us on social media <laughs> i'm at red shirt king on twitter walter where can the nice people at home find you i am at team liquid sucks <laughs> no i'm at c80s underscore lol oh my god this is great we can have two fan bases now that hate us just with the Bring passion it. of a thousand suns. Bring it, baby. I, I Bring love, it all. I, I will say this, Liquid. I, I'm I'm more optimistic for you guys than Walter, which is to say that I'm not that optimistic. But, you know, <laughs> good, good luck. It's and, not hard to be greater than zero. And, and in the meantime, uh, have a nice holiday season, people. Um, we're uh, we're going to be off probably the next week uh, because we're going to be Let's doing Christmassy things. Until, yeah, you won't see us until probably... Maybe the very end of December with an announcement. Yeah, maybe we, we might have one more podcast for 2016, and we'll definitely do an announcement uh, on our official Twitter, of course, at Rough Drafts Pod, uh, when we uh, are able to solidify everything we've been working on behind the scenes. We think you guys are really going to like it. Uh, please do uh, like, comment, subscribe on uh you know, if you're on YouTube, Rough Drafts Podcast, just hit that subscribe button. Uh, if you're on audio, uh, you should soundcloud.com esports rough drafts subscribe there or on iTunes if you look for rough drafts on the podcast section. All of that means a lot to us. Uh, and tell your friends if you enjoy what you listen to. You got through an hour and 18 minutes of it, it's clearly got value to you. So go ahead and let other people know about what we're doing here because. That, uh, us, honestly, is, is the most important thing. We love interacting with you guys. We love bringing more people into the conversation. So come back towards the end of the year or the beginning of 2017 as we go all in on League of Legends and we get excited for a whole new vision for the Rough Drafts podcast. But until then, goodbye, Internet. <laughs>